Hello and welcome to Cybertech Talks, a podcast hosted by Cress, where we bring cybersecurity experts together to share their expertise. In this episode, you will hear from Tom Brennan, Executive Director of Crest Americas, and Tony Sager, Senior Vice President and Chief Evangelist for the Center for Internet Security. Tom and Tony tell us the story of how they met, how they got into the sector, and why nonprofits are so valuable in the cyber ecosystem. Both Crest and the Center for Internet Security are members of Nonprofit Cyber, a coalition of global nonprofit organizations to enhance joint action to improve cybersecurity. Listen on to learn more. All right, so uh, welcome to uh, Cyber Tech Talks. Uh, my name is Tom Brennan. I'm the Executive Director for Crest US Operations, uh, and I'm here with uh, Tony Sager from the Center for Internet Security. Uh, so, Tony, a lot of folks on the call uh, may not uh, know a little bit about both of our organizations or even our background, so maybe we can start off with intros. Sure, happy to do that. Thanks, Tom. It's great to connect with you again. It's been been quite some years. Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm one of the uh, oldest standing lifers in cyber defense, I think. So 45 years and counting now, and uh, the first 35 at the National Security Agency, all of it working and everything from ComSec to defensive information operations to what's what's now known as cyber. And then the, the second phase of my career started in uh, 2012 when I retired from the government and wound up um, through a couple of steps uh, entering the nonprofit space and eventually with the Center for Internet Security. So I've really been absorbed with that since 2015. And my focus has always been around how do we translate knowledge of vulnerabilities and flaws and attacks into positive construction, constructive action for people. So there's, you know, there's no shortage of great information about what bad guys are doing, but you know, at the end of the day, we have to figure out what to do about it. And so uh, for me, the most important verb in this business has always been translate, not share, but translate. How do I translate knowledge of sort of bad things into constructive good things? Uh, so that, that's that's where I spent my time, and and the, this idea of uh, being in nonprofit space is just you know felt right for me. I really didn't want to go to the defense contractor route. Um, you know, I'm I'm a son of a civil servant, never wanted to do anything but be in public service. So this just felt like a natural next step for me. So so it's worked out great, and it's also brought me into contact with lots of old friends, people like you, and and so forth. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I, I think I have a similar background uh, from a different side. Um, you know, growing up in Long Island, being part of the, the 516 group and, uh, you know, growing up in the communities where technology sort of kicked off in the 80s was was quite interesting. Uh doing a short time in the military as well, uh, and then working in financial services and helping online companies be the first online stock trading in the world was sort of an eye-opener for me of how commerce was going to develop and how things were going to proceed. Um, I remember looking at guidance and trying to find great materials of usefulness, and at that time, there was really not much out there. Uh, and and I, I kind of remember that time when we stumbled across some some great colleagues that were you know getting OWASP off the ground, and I found that as a resource and a collaborative space to uh, help. And I didn't really understand the whole nonprofit space, quite frankly, as to how uh, it was there for the greater good, and, but it really aligned with personally with my mission, right, which was always to defend and serve and sort of coming from that environment. Um, so I really spent a lot of time uh, in the OWASP organization for about uh, 15 years, uh, leading some of the initiatives and efforts there uh, before joining Crest as, a, as another organization uh, that is a nonprofit and is focused around uh, accreditation of organizations working on, you know, critical infrastructure. Uh, so similar similar backgrounds uh, with different focuses, uh, but it's, again, it's always great to see you and uh, I know we have some, some things in common. Yeah, Tom, and I, I, I don't know if you recall, I was trying to, thinking back to how we met, but 
uh, however we met, you, <laughs> I've never shared this story with you, but you played a pivotal role in my shift from government service into nonprofit service. So I don't know if you remember, um, gosh, and it must have been eight to 10 years ago, uh, I had uh, uh, retired from NSA, was briefly at the Sands Institute to take over the Critical Controls Project, which then we spun out into a nonprofit status. But one of my uh, early speaking engagements was an invitation from you uh, to attend an OWASP meeting. I think it was a regional meeting. I re- and I recall it was either in New Jersey or um, maybe in, in, in Pennsylvania, somewhere in eastern Pennsylvania. But, you know, I was still just trying to figure out what the heck am I doing <laughs> and how will I get anything done? And there's no workforce, right? This, this is a literally a one-man operation. And I, somehow you wound up inviting me to be the keynote speaker uh, to talk about the work that we were doing for this OWASP meeting. And so and then it was a multi-hour drive, as I recall. I thought, well, you know, what the heck, I'll do this. And so we wound up connecting over that. But I, I knew at that moment I'd, I'd bumped into somebody that was a kindred spirit. And I was, I was only vaguely familiar with OWASP at the time. Wow. But, you know, it was the kind of place, right, anytime you're around these nonprofit, especially these uh, sort of uh, volunteer-driven, the, the amount of energy and positive goodwill, right, and desire to do something good is just overwhelming. And so I felt like, you know what, I've, I've found, you know, I found some friends here and a lot of great conversations uh, that followed after that. So yeah. so I don't remember the exact moment in time, but uh, thank you uh, for that, for playing that role in my uh, nonprofit, uh, you know, journey uh, the, the, all those early years ago. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I think it's been uh, a super cool community to grow up in. Uh, and, you know, from day one, being collaborative. And, you know, I used to run a lot of bulletin board services in the early days and, and uh, you know, come from that side of the fence. And uh, I think being open in the community itself has done a lot for me personally in career, uh, as well as certainly in knowing people around the world and getting things done. So, um, you know, we continue to do that. And I think part of our conversation today is about getting things done and being doers. Um, you know, your organization has done some phenomenal work, uh, public facing and, uh, certainly OWASP and Crest and others have done as well. Um, but why don't we talk a little bit about this nonprofit, um, you know, the nonprofit cyber thing and why and when, what this really is. Yeah, that's a, a great lead into that. And Tom, so the idea was, again, I, I came at this from, uh, you know, government background, you have some military background. And, you know, when you grow up in that sort of service-oriented, you know, national service-oriented environment, you know, there's there's a culture that comes with that. And some of that culture is, you know, we're the government, we need to solve this problem, or we need to lead the community to solve this problem. And, and that's important, right? And many of the finest, noblest people I've ever met in my life, you know, in, in, in the federal service or public service of one type, you know, at whatever level of government. And then get into nonprofit space. And one of the things that really struck me, you know, the, the, and you mentioned it, right? This, this community is filled with people of great talent and goodwill. You know, that's what makes the business model of CIS possible and folks like Crest and others, right? It's this, this spirit of community and volunteers. And these are not ordinary people. These are extraordinary people often that volunteer for these things. And so, you know, we, we describe CIS as a, a small but mighty, right? We really aren't that big, but the volunteer footprint is really what makes it happen. And uh, nonprofits are natural gatherers of talent. They naturally cross borders. They cross public and private you know, communities naturally, right? These are places where people have already agreed to work together. You yep. don't have to convince them. You don't have to convene yep. them. You don't have to, you know. And so as I, as I really got to understand this, it's like, wow, this is amazing. And, it's, and at some point, I'll exaggerate slightly. I said, I can gather a bigger army on any given day of volunteers than I ever led at the National Security Agency. 
you know, it, it is it's pretty cool. And what also yeah. I observed uh, was it was full of friends. So I talked about how we connected, right? And you, you, you know, just being in the space connects you with other people like that. And I look around and go, you know what? Many of us are old friends, or many of us had some prior government touch or uh, industry that's associated with government. Uh, and, and we like each other. We say nice things about each other. We even point to each other occasionally, right? Hey, you should see what those guys are doing. And that's a really powerful thing, right? That again, is sort of organic and from the bottom up. But what I was uh, thinking about started in, the, for me, the, the thinking about this was you know, 2017, 2018. Um, imagine now, so we go from, you know, who are these people to, gee, they're doing interesting work, to gee, we, we like each other and we point to each other. I was thinking, well, how much further could we push this if we actually went out of our way to self-organize, right? Not convened by the government, but just let's, let's not just count on friendship and serendipity, but let's find a mechanism to, for us all to push forward. So that was kind of the thinking for me at that, at that time period. And you know, as I started to talk about to, uh, to other friends about the idea, it turned out lots of people had a similar idea, right? That, hey, you know, there's, there's a lot going on here. And this idea of, I'll say proactive collaboration as opposed to sort of happenstance and serendipity, I think you can also see in parallel with the general kind of social issues, right? That, and uh, you know, I say this respectfully to, all, to, to my career, to all the people that had careers like mine or will, um, general s- social distrust of, of the central government. You know, this idea that, and a uh, push against uh, regulatory uh, action or legislation or top-down kind of planning, you know, much more open environment that we face socially now as to how things get done. And so all these things started to come together into, into various conversations. And what led up to the, the idea of nonprofit was this ongoing conversation among friends. And then last summer, I put in a, a proposal for an RSA talk on the topic. I said, you know what? So the talk is kind of a call to arms. Hey, look at all this, you know, the, all the things I just said. We should do stuff together. And by the way, as I looked around, I said, there's plenty of great examples of how we're already doing that. Well, that conversation by the end of uh, calendar year 2021 just took off. And next thing you know, there were kind of a hardcore of a dozen or so friends, you know, across all these different nonprofits who got serious about this. Hey, you know, we should do something, right? And do something means, okay, well, how will we gather? How will we share? How will we coordinate and so forth? Yep. And so this has really just been a um, really a, a heated, you know, exciting conversation just in the last few months. And so, you know, each of us reached out to friends, right? And you're part of that Friends of Friends network at, at Crest. And uh, to say, you know, and, and nonprofits, let's, let's not be naive, right? Nonprofits cover everything, for every business model and funding model and, you know, fee for service to sort of fronts for companies to noble intent, everything. And so there's no easy categorization, but our, our starting goal that, you know, has brought you know, companies like Crest and CIS and, and the others together. It's like, who, who do we already know that's kind of in the right spirit here, right? Who creates, has this sort of, uh, uh, the original term I use, which we wouldn't use publicly, is content creating, right? Who, who creates this really valuable content? If you had to pay for, you couldn't pay for, right? But gets distributed either for yep. free or at very large scale at low cost or, you know, and th- these places have already found their way in the ecosystem, right? They're already embedded in formal frameworks and regulatory things and, and standards bodies and so forth. So that's really what we were looking to do, sort of the doers, right? The, the people that create things and with no disrespect to anybody else. But the point wasn't to sort of unite representational um, 
nonprofits or sort of trade associations directly, but those that are really focused on this this idea of okay, we we provide essential products and services, right? We are, mm-hmm. you know, sort of this outward creation-oriented uh, gathering. So that's what really what led us to the conversation that we're in today around that. And again, so I, I already knew you, I already knew Crest, and we were already in these kinds of discussions, right, with Crest about how, things yep. we could do together. So so that's that's the backdrop for me, kind of what led to this. And again, as soon as I started to talk to friends like Crest, I was like, oh yes, of course, you know, we, you know, here's the cooperation we already do with folks like us. And yeah, we'd be happy to bring our, you know, our, our work to the table. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And, and um, just to echo that backwards, I think that the, seeing um, this around the world take take motion, uh, because again, with you know in the OWASP community, that I spent a lot of time with you know mm-hmm. operating in 118 countries around the world with you know 35,000 mm-hmm. participants, that was very useful in, in making connections all over the world. And then looking at critical infrastructure and realizing that there was still you know critical national infrastructure in many countries uh, that was mm-hmm. concerned with being able to provide a Assurances and have the people that are doing the actual work and the companies that are doing the work, you know, kind of the ecosystem has to be able to support it uh, and be sustainable. Um, so it's it's been an interesting uh, time, quite frankly. And yeah. even in our current you know situation, we have uh, you know wars going on around the world that we need to you know apply some of these uh, issues to those that want the the information. And since it is open, uh, at least in the open source community or in you know in the best practices space. It, it, kind of goes both ways uh but you know really what we're providing is a uh, you know here's what good might look like uh, and then it can be applied in many different ways um so i know that we're up to about 22 organizations that have recently joined uh the nonprofit mm-hmm. cyber um and you know getting a lot of those cats in a room is is always good and then trying to move those cats in the same direction has always been a, a challenge um so are, are there any objectives that you want us to try to you know, call out and, and, and point the uh, tip of the spear to for the next 12 or 24 months? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the, the, the first uh, sort of run at this is about uh, awareness. And, you know, not, not awareness in the sort of generic sense, right? I certainly was aware of what OWASP is doing or, you know, Cyber Threat Alliance. But there's sort of an active awareness and thinking ahead to what, what, uh, what could we be doing together and so going, do, doing things together is more than just friendliness and kumbaya, let's sing the same song. And so yep. I, I, I talk about this as kind of a worked experiment. So uh, last year in March, uh, at RSA last year, 2021, we released version eight of the controls. And there were a couple of like little experiments kind of buried in there. You know, that is, so in the past, and this is just as an example, in the past, part of the critical controls talks about the quality and security of software. And we would write, you know, a couple, three pages, literally. You know, the idea was what are the, from the, the, the model of the critical contr- security controls is not to recreate the NIST catalog or other these, these other comprehensive works. It's to say, based upon knowledge of attacks, what's the core foundational, most important set of things to do within that framework, recognizing you're going to have to do other things too. And so we would have a pretty terse uh, description, right, of what we thought were the most important things to do. And in the past... Uh, in fact, literally in the past, prior versions, uh, we would point to, you know, say, here's what we say. Oh, and if you want more information about this, go look at OWASP. Go look at SafeCode. Go look at our friends at the Cloud Security Alliance, right? And that would be a friendly gesture, but it, it wasn't any more than that. It was, you know, if you want to know more, go here. Uh, for version 8 that we released last year, it said, let's, let's get ahead of this. So we'd approached uh, Cloud Security Alliance and... Um, 
uh, safe code ahead of time to say, look, rather than just sort of say something nice, why don't we work together on this directly? That is, you have access to deeper expertise and your own product line that that could be a good complement to this. So the kind of worked examples, came, the bottom line came like with safe code, the uh, draft one of the section in the in our product was actually written by a couple people associated with safe code. And then it enters the CIS consensus process, right, where we bring in other volunteers and ask for community feedback, and it becomes embedded in our product. In parallel, SafeCode wrote, so from the two-page version that we have, they wrote a companion, I think it was 20 or 30-page deeper treatment released at the same time, right? So it was more than just say, go look over there. It's go look over there at this specific thing that was written to be in alignment with what we said at CIS. Yeah. Okay. So a much deeper level of integration. You could, in a fancy way, you'd say, well, we aligned our roadmaps, right? They they issued under their brand name a separate product. A similar thing with the Cloud Security Alliance. So they, they have a little different model here, but the idea was a senior tech person that you know, was trusted by them became embedded in the core editorial team, yep. so to help us make the controls more cloud native. And the um, kind of a integration point between us and Cloud Security Alliance is their cloud controls matrix. So in the past, we would have written our document, looked at their document, and then written a cross mapping, and with any luck, gotten them to cooperate. Instead, we built that as we went, right? So the idea was this this um, correlation or this integration between the two is just inherent in the product now, right? In their product, in our product. And so that, that was it. We wanted to do the same, by the way, with OWASP. There was a, a bit of a, a drop the ball on my end, Tom, just to let you know, because you were at some point, I'd reached out to you and you had handed me off to, to you know, you had left OWASP and, and redirected me back there. And I just never quite got the loop closed for a variety of reasons, but I would have done the same with OWASP and we will do that now in the future for sure. sure but, sure. you know, because I, I was just inspired partly, I, I told you the story of your, your work at OWASP and, you know, kind of looking at these large volunteer driven organizations with worldwide footprint and saying, you know, we, yeah. we we, need, we can't recreate that. Why would we bother? Let's, yeah, let's just tie into that. It's good to, it's good to work yeah. together. And, it, and it's interesting, too, because um, and I think we, we hear this with all of the people involved in the, in the, in the effort now. Um, because even when I was uh, you know, working for the late Howard Schmidt at SafeCode mm. as the technical director. You know, I forgot that. Yeah, for, that's great. Yeah. Uh, third-party components and threat modeling mm-hmm. and some of the things that we did, you know, they get adopted. Uh, and it's interesting to see how... Um, Again, the like-minded people are, you know, constantly moving around a little bit to uh, position or to apply. Um, and you know, where I was with OWASP and then SafeCode and then over to Crest, there's differences in those organizations and 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 even in some of their yeah. missions. Uh, but again, one thing holds true, I think, is that we all agree that you know collaboration is important. And you know, as you mentioned with CIS, I mean, Crest puts out great guidance, or rather, it be um, you know technical guidance around uh, commercially reasonable standards for penetration testing, or uh, position papers around uh, you know cybercrime, industrial controls, uh, you know closing the gender gap. You know, there's all sorts of different things that we can put out. But as an organization, mm-hmm. its focus is to provide assistance to the greater good uh, you know we bring all that together we do the good venn venn diagram thing we can quickly figure out you know where the overlap is and then really where we're strong and i think if we can find more strengths then it's sort of a task force that can go ahead and make some really good efforts there and you know sis has been doing a great job in my opinion and um, as the team continues to change and help here in the states uh, and around the world um, you know we see great things so i, I really look forward to um, helping um, with that effort because I think it's super important to everybody yeah. in the community, quite frankly. 
Yeah, that you, you know, when you describe your career journey, right? You, you've crossed several stripes here of the nonprofit space. And what, you know, what a perfect setup, right? Yeah, that yeah. that kind of led us to that, and to recognize, you know, the goal of nonprofit cyber, right, isn't to have like one one ring to rule them all or one, you know, because uh, there are legitimate differences of opinion. There's different spaces here, but it's it's been as I looked at this originally. I was actually pleasantly surprised by how little overlap there was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that is, you know, there's lots of different space out there for these things. Yeah. Uh, but we could do a lot by bringing things together. And part of this, you know, implicitly in the in the cybersecurity business, we've sort of left everybody on their own to figure this out. You, yep. you know, that is, they have to, okay, oh, don't worry, there's great resources out there. All you gotta do is go read thousands of pages from NIST and Crest and, and uh, wait, wait a minute. Most yep. of our economy is not capable of that. That makes no sense, right? That as a national strategy, for example, that makes no sense. Yep. It's just too overwhelming. And so leaving everyone to figure this out on their own is bad strategy. Now, that doesn't mean there'll be one thing to look at, but knowing that this is how Crust work, for example, aligns with the Center for Internet Security's work, Yep. can take a ton of confusion out of the out of the reader, right? And so, okay, here are things, I, you know, I, have to, I need to worry about the individual technical controls, but how do I pull them together into a business process? Mm-hmm. And how do I assess the risk, you know, and sort of put put the technical components that CIS talks about in the business risk context. You know, you guys are better at dealing with these sort of broader, you know, uh, management issues, risk issues, enterprise level issues, and sort of putting them in, in a coherent form, right? Well, if, if we tried to recreate that, I mean, number one, why would we bother? But two, you know, we'd have to find the same kind of volunteers, the same kind of, you know, production, and say, much better for us to line it. And the goal is not to threaten the business model of any one of us. The goal is to find these strengths that you talked about. How do we bring them together? Simplifies the problem for the adopters. Yep. Uh, lets us kind of play to our strengths. I think that would be a, a really valuable contribution. So, you know, you, you started with the question of sort of what do I see? I think there's plenty of work to be done in just sort of I'll call it inventorying what we're already doing together, yep. and that's partly inspiration, right? To inspire others to say, hey, we could do that too. Uh, we could find a number of these I'll call it roadmap alignments. You know, sort of things where we could say, you know, if we just change our thinking a little bit, or timing of when we say it it could be much simpler for people to really absorb that, right? To make sense of it, to integrate it and so forth. So I, I feel uh, excited that, you know, we, we've got plenty to keep us going for a year or two just in those lines. I will say, um, in our discussions, and we've talked about this, Tom, that, uh, you know, the diversity of the group is both its strength and it's a cat herding challenge, right? Yep. So it's hard to picture that the entire group would have a singular position on any one issue in cybersecurity. And that's yep. not the point, right? The point wasn't to say, okay, we'll have an executive group that'll kind of decide what the group's position will be and too bad if you're in minority. That's not what we're trying to do at all, right? We're, we're really focused on our strengths and on this, I'll say, positive uh, collaboration, right? And again, collaboration beyond the bumper sticker to say, no, what, what actively are we willing to change and I can speak for CIS in this. We are willing to change our behavior, our timing, our, you know, uh, our messaging, to better align. Recognizing that there are just tremendous strengths in what Crest does, or SafeCode, or OWASP, or Cloud Security Alliance, or Cyber Threat Alliance. You know, just wonderful people, as you said. There and there's certainly yeah. some overlap in volunteers and companies and individuals. So, yep. you know, all we're doing is aligning the the power that we already have. Yeah. And uh, also simplifying for those that want to follow our advice. 
It was, it was funny prior to the uh, the public launch um, uh, around uh, nonprofit cyber. Um, I was doing some work for uh, DoD and helping out with some of the CMMC efforts that were underway and <laughs> still underway. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it was interesting how uh, most of the people around the collaborative roundtables were pointing back to all the same organizations we're talking about uh, and saying, this is a good control, this is a good review, this is a minimum standard, these are a best practice. And and you're sitting there looking at it going, yeah, guys, like it's to your point, it's, you know, is there one place to point to that helps direct? Um, In some cases there's not. And then also sometimes there's uh, overlapping information, meaning two pieces of quality material that potentially could be even brought together. I know um, from our side, from the Crest perspective, you know, we have some, uh, some upcoming release that we're looking to uh, offer uh, up to uh, the, the bigger group and say, hey, this is a piece of material that we're looking to put out. It's in a, a, polished, you know, a polished draft final. Uh, if anyone would like to review, contribute, add to it, and then you know maybe mutually release it, fantastic. Again, trying to build some of those nuggets that are things that people can go, oh yeah, this is good. And you know the Shadow Foundation uh, can, you know, Shadow Server can say yeah, and Sightline can mm-hmm. say yeah. And the different groups are going to like you know potentially look at it and say, hey, this is great content. Uh, or hey, we have some stuff going on at National Cybersecurity Alliance, and you know NCA is looking for help. Uh, so perhaps there's a call to a call to arms. And I think there's no, uh, you know, there's a military kind of overtone there. But when when people reach out for help or call in firepower, um, sometimes it's useful to know who to call uh, and get that yeah. assistance. I, I think so. And I think that, you know there's a tendency, and I'll say again, having spent most of my life in big government, right? Yeah. And they'll, they'll proudly put out the bumpers. Yes, we love standards. You know, we collaborate. And that's all well intended. But yeah. there's a tendency to say, but we're special. We're unique. Oh, but mm-hmm. we're going to use those commercial standards. So they wind up, you know, cherry picking a few from here and here. Mm-hmm. They sort of integrate it at this grab level, which is, you know, useful, but frankly, is not very powerful for my thinking. Right? Better for us to think through how these things come together initially. Mm-hmm. And when you start sort of picking pieces out, then you start to have to build elaborate maps to say you build another dependency, right? As soon as something changes here, I got to change that, you know, and everything. You know, my, my son does all the cross mapping for, for a CIS. There is no more tedious, crazy, you know, work than sort of cross mapping between security frameworks. It's one of the hidden, you know, swamps of our business here. Yeah. And uh, we, so we, it's a problem we actually create, right? Or we allow to to happen, when in fact we by by sort of rethinking the way we do these things up front, we could streamline a lot of that, make it much easier again to reply, and we also have to think through. And this is why I think I, I do appreciate the uh, more comprehensive approach of, of our friends like Crest. You know, at the end of the day, this is not about designing the best technical controls. This is about how things get used for decision-making, right? And you have to respect the role of bosses, auditors, lawyers, insurance companies. You know, I I have a talk I give a time called The Defender's Dilemma. You know, The the Defender's Dilemma, just real uh, real quickly and abstractly, has three parts. you got to figure out the right thing to do, which is pretty hard. A lot of companies stumble on that. You actually have to do it, right? Buy stuff, Mm -hmm. operationalize it, train it, equip. I said, but the real killer is now you have, and this is in the modern world. This was not true when I grew up. You have to prove to multiple other parties that you've done the right thing, right? Whether it's your supply chain friend or your uh, regulator, your insurance company. Mm-hmm. And that eats up massive amounts of wasted energy over and yes. over again. You know, the auditor likes, you know, happy, not glad. And the regulator likes glad, not happy. And, the, you know, this insurance company wants you to reply in blue, not green. And, you know, like 
But wait a minute, this is 80, 90% the same technical content that we're reframing yeah. because everyone has a different model, a different um, uh, a, a framework that they're following, a different language. And so it's incredibly wasteful. And in fact, we actually want people to spend most of their energy and money on right doing the right doing thing. Doing the right thing. Right, actually creating, managing, you know, putting in place the defenses and so forth. So I think, again, this, this idea of how could we help streamline this problem. And, you know, again, um, Nonprofits, you know, like the work you guys do and we do and others, it is not passive content, right? It's actively being used. It's yeah. already been agreed to. It's been selected, you know. It's been so why not just build upon that? Now again, we we the creators, right, have this responsibility to try and make this problem less troublesome. Yes. We also Absolutely. have a responsibility to recognize that no one of us is the ultimate solution to the entire problem. Again, and so we either let the user sort it out or we help them. And I think obviously folks like you and I, like, why don't we make this easier for people, not harder for people? Yep. You know, it, yep. it's, it is a, we, we've sort of done, you know, I love being in this business, Tom, but sometimes it feels like we designed it backwards. You know, we we yep. uh, well, make funny, it hard, as hard as possible for the defender. Well, most recently, I've, I've sort of jumped in, um, you know, back to industry uh, as the CIO of a 90-year-old law firm. Ah, uh, okay. And, you know, that's my other job, mm -hmm. right? So working with 200 lawyers and understanding what that looks like for data breach issues and legislation issues and expert witness issues. My point is, to, your, to what you said earlier, working with from the security side, inheriting all of the problems of those clients to a law firm, yeah. understanding where the lawyers get involved to litigate and determine what's commercially reasonable is a very important conversation mm -hmm. because, again, with multiple differences of opinion, it's almost as if it's a different um, uh, it's a different speech, it's a different dialect, right? Because these are legal professionals and they have a different perspective. So trying to blend those two technical worlds together and then say, hey guys, if we build something and put out guidance and the guidance looks like this and you review it, does this by itself equal uh, a best practice? And the answer is no. So there becomes a lot of conversation I think that's there and very strategic because never understanding any of the legal perspective, it's always, you know, I'm like a life learner, right? I enjoy yeah. Uh, challenging myself for some of these different projects. So take the tactical stuff and apply the tactical stuff that we all love, uh, but then also sometimes sit down and have these really interesting conversations with uh, organizations that, you know, in industry are suffering impact, suffering problems, and then look at it, you know, from a different lens sometimes is uh, quite eye-opening. Yeah, that was a, an eye-opener for me sort of midway through my career, Tom, you know, that, you know, I grew up as a technologist, right, in a techno-heavy government agency. So we're going to solve this yep. problem with technical solutions, right? You know, the knowledge, you know, I was in the vulnerability finding business, so if people just knew enough about what was flawed, they'd be so inspired to go fix these problems that they'll go away. Gee, that never seemed to have happened in my lifetime, much yeah. to my chagrin. And I realized at some point, and, and you know, I, I inherited uh, the things like the NSA red teams and realized, you know what? People are really impressed when they get the result of a red team, but they actually pay, the bosses pay attention to their auditors. Right to the IGs, critical findings, you know, that kind of yep. things. And so this is not about the best technology. It's technology, it's huge. This is a highly technical area, but it's about decision making. And this is the shift that we're seeing, yes. I think, across the industry. I'll, I'll share with you. So in the 70s, when I start, one of my first assignments, probably 1978 or so, um, was in the Computer Security Design Guidance Division at NSA. And who knew there was such a thing, right? I certainly didn't. I just showed mm -hmm. up there. And 
I remember, you know, back, it, it wasn't a water cooler conversation. It was around the big coffee pot that sat in front of the office. And the old, the old you know, gray beards, somehow I became a gray beard, uh, were having this conversation. They would say things. And I, I remember this. It's like burned in my memory. You know, when the lawyers get involved with this, they will ruin everything. Right. And, and I'm just a dumb kid intern. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. You know, lawyers, what do they know? You know, we're like, I'm with all these PhD guys. They're really smart. And yeah. that was kind of the culture, the way they thought of it. And then again, midway through my career, I realized, you know, the technologists are capable of amazing things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the, a general officer, a business leader is not making purely technical decisions. And they're juggling a lot of risk factors, right? And cyber being just one of them. And so if you don't reframe, I think this was part of your, your prior discussion, if you don't reframe what we know in the language that makes sense to them, yeah. as opposed to expect them to learn our language, then we'll never have the kind of influence that's appropriate, right? And again, yeah. and acknowledging the other people, hey, my boss worries about, you know, reputational risk and financial risk and, you know, all kinds of risks. And, yep. and now we give him this, like, you know, special language, you know, highly technobabbly argument about why he should spend a lot more in security. And he's juggling that with more mature disciplines that have a risk model, right, that have a yep. expected financial loss behind them. Or, and so there's a, a definite shift here. And again, it's part of this is about pulling together technology with language, with with all that. So, so that, but I'll never forget that yeah. conversation. Yeah, the lawyers are going to ruin this. Uh, the other, by the way, the other conversation that was burned in my brain from that first assignment, Tom, they're again, literally around the coffee pot, I'm the kid intern. Any day now, that first big court case is going to happen. That'll prove <laughs> those vendors can't belt, sell buggy software to us anymore. And I'm the kid intern going, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. That makes sense. <laughs> and here we are, 45 years later, still arguing the basics of liability and you know, yep. quality of software and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I learned so much from the masters, but there's also some lessons that like, okay, maybe maybe they, we didn't get that one quite right in the 70s and 80s. But it's funny how some of that turns into self-regulation. Some of that turns into yeah. best practices that people can agree on that is a minimum commercial reasonable standard. Uh, and then mm -hmm. even to, to my surprise, like you've said, I mean, I've been in, you know, a, a participating in DEF CON for 20 years. And, uh, you know, when we got pulled into some um, meetings that were tied with congressional members and people from the uh, from the Hill uh, at DEF CON, I was amazed. I was like, wow, this is cool. We're being asked to come sit down with, you know, ranking people that actually have something to do with making laws and, and pushing agendas. Uh, and that was an eye-opening conversation of now seeing the tech space mature. So, again, I... You know, I, I yeah. always say yeah. coming up in the space has been interesting and learning and being uh, able to meet a lot of great people. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of focus now. Many of us might say, you know, a little late. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for 20 years, and only the last couple of years has been uh, high on priority lists. But you know, certainly cyber, the domain we live in uh, for many many years, is a focal point these days, right? Every sure. day on TV, we continue to hear things about cyber, uh, and you know, how do we actually help? How do we you know train the next generation? How do we you know have the culture of being aware? Um, you know, pushed out. It's a it's a yeah. it's a big challenge. But I look forward to the fight. And for folks like you, Tom, I mean, it's you're right. You know, and, and so again, an old guard view is that this the shift from technology to kind of social you know public policy and so forth is a sort of a threat <laughs> but you know your excitement is no this is about relevancy yeah right? this is about making the, the technical insight relevant to everyday lives yep. now we're not going to do that by training everybody in the country to be a cyber security expert right? we're going to embed it like we do with every other element of risk you know when you get on a commercial airplane or 
pick a surgeon in a hospital. You're not doing that, you know, with full knowledge of the technology issues and the complexities. You're doing that based upon sort of mechanisms that we built socially to allow you to make those kinds of choices yep. rationally, not perfectly. Yep. And, and we see that. Uh, I was going to say, we see that point underscored with different industries, right? We deal with the, the FINRA regulations and the different financial services folks. Everyone you know, is a licensed certified practitioner or they're, they're regulators and there's different components and SEC overviews. And then we have the whole cryptocurrency piece coming in now, which is, you know, the new hot thing. But honestly, it has some of the yes. similar challenges, right? It just it becomes a wild, wild west. But we, we're continuing to see evolution where technology is still being applied. You can have new cool buzzwords, but at the end of the day, a smart contract audit is a code review. Let's let's have a review of what's what's going on there, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, Tom. You know, back to to nonprofit cyber though. So, uh, what are your expectations? And you, you asked me about the next year or two. What about you? What do you think uh, is possible or desirable here? Yeah. So I I think there's the mutual challenge of one. We we definitely need to get um, the people in the room that don't know each other uh, and be able to form those relationships to help foster quick acceleration. Um, so that comes with virtual slash face to face conversations as, as we need to do. Um, I think we need to, you know, again, lay out some of the areas that our organizations independently are, are headed in and see where there's mutual benefit uh, and then be able to deconflict. Um, I think that there's an opportunity um, to, you know, throw out the conversation, say, hey, I'm going to do a project on open source incident response, best practice and flow charts. Who wants to participate? Maybe the first guys say yes, and maybe your team says yes. All of a sudden we have a couple hands going up. If we get those top 10 things listed on the board, do we only focus on the top five of them this year and next year? My point is, you know, bite-sized chunks, but they're big bites because we're really looking to, you know, what's going to be the most impactful to the community at, at a whole and really where's the help needed and, and who helps to find that? I think our memberships, I think all of our organizations bring to the table thousands and thousands of companies and people that are uh, participants and you know we're in a position of great beard leadership right we're trying to help bring it together uh and it's really our time i remember josh corman and others always saying and i kind of believe you know the calvary's not coming uh it's us uh and that's a that's a big responsibility so i'm i'm happy to uh you know put on a pack and and try to make it work and 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 fight the fight with others that want to you know want to you know dig in and do that you know i think that's that's exactly right that there's a certain kind of pragmatism that goes with that too you know, I, again, I, I grew up in the early days of this and was around the computer security business, you know, when it was more about formalized mathematics and, and so forth. Uh, and important, really smart people, groundbreaking ideas and all that, but recognizing, you know, uh, designing uh, perfect computers that don't run PowerPoint is not in the cards, right? It's not going to be successful. You, you, we have to recognize that people have, uh, you know, information technology for reasons, right? To make their businesses more effective and efficient and to, you know, to allow us to be better informed and so forth. And so there's a certain pragmatism here. You know, I often said that in security, um, perfection has been the enemy of the good for a long period of time. And I know that that's a, a spirit that we share with Crest here, that we're not going to solve this in one document, one working group, you know, whatever. And in fact, we don't, we don't need perfection, right? We, we want to, we, we have to get better. We don't expect perfection when we get on a commercial aircraft or when we go into a hospital either, but we have high standards, right, of safety, of uh, confidence that we would have in the system, and we build most of that into the system. And so um, this idea of, okay, we can't solve world hunger, what are the top five things we ought to focus in on? 
What are the top 10 that we should focus on? What should we get everyone rallying around that is not perfect, but is a massive improvement? And thinking that through, there is a, a, a statement that I hear occasionally. I was going to write a little story about it in my uh, private blog that, you know, where uh, several friends will say this. Oh, anything we can do to advance cybersecurity, even a little bit, we should do. And you know what? I don't actually agree with that <laughs> because uh, everything that you do actually is an opportunity cost also, right? It takes attention away from other things. And so we need to have a lot of thinking and voices chewing on some of this. One that's playing out right now, I don't, you're, I've never asked you your perspective on this, uh, multi-factor authentication, right? Any MFA is good or we shouldn't waste our time with bad MFA, right? That's, a, that's becoming like one of the new theological debates in the industry right now. And so, uh, but I, I haven't chewed on all the issues, but I will say, you know, doing stuff just because it's a little better may not be good enough to take us to where we want to go. Agreed. And so, you know, again, everything we do takes people's attention, takes money, takes management attention. And so we, I think we want to pick more carefully that first set of five things than just say, let's do stuff that gets us better. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. That just isn't powerful enough. And it's proven. It's proven itself, right, not to be powerful enough for what we're trying to do. And you'd agree. And, that, and that's where, again, we go back to the resources and we say, hey, let's talk to our friends at the FIDO Alliance that are part of this and figure out if there is some efforts right. there and exactly. some leadership there that we can all get behind. Because, again, I think if the different teams can represent you know, their, their areas of focus and get to know each other a little bit better, there will be some fantastic results. Uh, and then, of course, with uh, industry support. Um, I know in Crest world, you know, I'm concerned about the 16 critical infrastructures, having industry representation, knowing yeah. what industry is asking for and different than providing it from a government side, provide it from a private sector side and be able to assist and be able to support. And uh, I think we all share, you know, some of those uh, same concepts. But I'll go back to our good friend. I think we both have uh, another friend in common, uh, 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 Bob over at uh, MITRE, um, you know, the the, the, the point mm -hmm. is, is having reference architectures. And I always think that this is an important piece that some people miss, that when we put out guidance, the guidance is about how to fix something. Well, there's very little guidance about how to architect things in a way that's sound and be able to provide a reference architecture and be able to, hey, these are the these are the pillars that you need to build your, your infrastructure on. So some of yeah. that stuff is, I think, super, super important to, uh, um, you know, help uh, help do. I think MITRE's done a ton of great work in that space as well as an NGO. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point, Tom. And you know, when I t tell people, you know, we, we, um, we, ha we have to get better at today's fight, right? You know, we have to survive to fight another day, <laughs> you know, we, and we have to kind of deal with the problem that we have. But we could get much better at the problem that we have, right? Better, faster threat feeds, more actionable, blah, 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 and still not solve the problem. So we want to balance that knowingly with what what do we do to change the game? What do we do? To, with, and it's primarily around architectures and sort of the foundations of security, the the long term things that are really hard for people to turn their attention to when they're drowning in noise, you know, when they're dealing with the day to day. And yet we we absolutely have to do some of those things. And they're the kind of things that if you don't start them now, they don't get easier a year from now or they don't go away two years from now. And so I think I'm hoping that's one of the things that we will address in nonprofit cyber, right? Some of us have a you know, focus at different points in the timeline, shorter, mid and long term. And and it's not one or the other, it's how do we intelligently look at this, right? How do we survive for another day while we change the game for another day? And I think that's an important part of it. And again, it takes uh, a lot of experience. There are people that specialize in both ends of that, and there are people that think about the whole thing. And I think we have to kind of bring all that together 
And again, a lot of this is about alignment of products that we already produce, services that nonprofits already produce, and how do we, you know, not not uh, sort of replace them, but align them with a roadmap that takes us to where we, you know, where we think is a more rational place for us to to fight this fight. So I think there's lots of uh, opportunities here. And agreed. And it, I was going to say, I think that, I think that there's, there's also different segments of the market um, that you know each of the groups or individuals may uh, choose to focus on. I do uh, a fair amount of effort around the defense industrial base, uh, only because I think that's an important area for our supply chain. Um, mm. And people may say, well, you're, that's not helping puppy dogs, or that's not doing this, or that's not solving that. And it's like, okay, well, that's an area that I feel really comfortable working yeah, in right. <laughs> uh, and, and helping those organizations do the right thing. So um, again, you got to sometimes pick the fight and then be available to back somebody up if there's uh, assistance that's needed in a particular area. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I call that particular approach, Tom, the security Jedi mind trick, yeah. right? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm solving 80% of the problem. Yeah, but you're not solving you know, this use case that I care about. Or yeah. You're not putting my favorite rock on the pile. Or, mm -hmm. uh, okay, I got you. you know, but you know, again, if we, if we give in to that, and it's not, these are important voices, right? Yeah. But they also can paralyze us. Yes. You know, people who can give you infinite vulnerability lists and infinite patch problems. And, you know, those are, um, those are frankly, and speaking as an old practitioner here, those are more about dis demonstrating cleverness than they are about solving problems. Yes. And so, you know, again, we have a responsibility as the creators of guidance and, you know, the establishment of best practices, I think, to be uh, as helpful as possible. That is to bring things into the decision framework of, of people, which is not about flooding them with everything we know, but it's about providing something that's more actionable. I used that, and then again, once I inherited the NSA Red Team, I just really struck me, boy, the generals, they are so impressed, right, rightfully. These are really clever people who come up with clever scenarios. That's all yep. wonderful. Uh, but they don't know what to do afterwards, right? And and I this was part of the shifting model that I had there at NSA. You know, and I said, and, but the red team's good folks. Not only do they tell you how they got in, they'll even tell you the Microsoft patch number of the thing you have to put in place to stop them the next time. And of course, you and I know, right? Mm -hmm. that when they come the next time, they just take a different path. Sure. The root cause was not that missing patch. That happens to be a symptom of their inability to manage configuration changes at an enterprise level, right? Or their failure of their uh, procurement process, right? To not get the right technology in place. And yet it turned out, and the, and the general would ask the red team, oh, you guys are amazing and great. Tell me what to do. And I would get into this and point out, you know, no one that worked on the red team, at least in my time there, has ever run a network bigger than will fit on a table. Mm -hmm. right? They don't know the language of enterprise management. They don't know all these issues. They're good people. They do what they do. But they are one data point. Yeah. And if you really want to solve the problem, that's a different set of skills. That's a different interaction, a different uh, kind of a, um, relationship that we should have with you with a different part of NSA. And we need to bring those together. So, anyway, so so this whole this whole nonprofit thing, but Tom, I can't tell you how much I appreciate, uh, you know, having uh, n number one Crest is, you know, is one of the, the real active and uh, dynamic partners here. But you personally, to, you know, it's a chance to, uh, for us to reconnect. And again, you're you you played a role in my shift from government service into the nonprofit space, and I thank you for that. And uh, so that that tells me I know exactly, you know, kind of where your head is at, and. Uh, it's exactly the kind of friends that we were looking to gather under this nonprofit cyber umbrella. So thanks, and looking forward to uh, you know a lot of good work together uh, here, and not in the far distant future, yeah. but uh, coming up soon. Awesome. Well, Tony, thank you. I mean, I think it definitely underscores the thing we've said for years as collective rights. It's people. 
process and technology not not in the reverse order uh and it requires you know folks that have the right abilities and training and and disciplines to do the the hard work that's in front of us right otherwise uh otherwise everybody would be able to to solve the world's problems and there's lots of problems to solve um so so with (laughs) that i want to thank you for taking the time to uh to meet with us here and talk and i look forward to continuing these conversations and uh hopefully we'll see you at uh, a face-to-face event in the very near future i'm looking forward to it tom excellent thank you Thank you for listening to another episode of Cybertech Talks. You can learn more about the work Nonprofit Cyber is doing by going to www.nonprofitcyber.org. We look forward to bringing you more episodes with cyber experts. Make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on Twitter and LinkedIn for further updates. A big thank you to Tony Sager and Tom Brennan for sharing their expertise with us. This podcast was brought to you by Crest, an international not-for-profit membership body representing the global cybersecurity industry.